0: Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. I'm Sandra,
1: and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
2: and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at Burrow.com ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more.
3: to the hospital the next day without telling me, without calling me. And then she started to obsessively call on my phone. had no concern about how I was doing or how it might impact me, but how it impacted her was more important than her daughter's. And we finally had to tell the nurses to block her. Um, She thought that she was the grandmother and she had the right to be there and had no concern about her daughters, you know, going through becoming a new mother.
0: and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hey beautiful souls, welcome back to the podcast. Last week we spoke with Rochelle in part one of her story where she was speaking about her relationship with her narcissistic mother and her narcissistic grandmother and the generational trauma that has been passed down from that. And we left Rochelle just as she was speaking about her own pregnancy, about bringing a child into the world herself. And now we're going to find out about how that part of Rochelle's story played out in the relationship with her narcissistic mother. So please join me now for part two of Rochelle's story.
3: And then I became pregnant. (laughs) And so once I became pregnant, she wanted to be, she was very excited to become a grandmother. And I was hoping too that her becoming a grandmother would change her in some way. I don't know why I expected that, but I thought she would be different in some way. And she, the closer I became to my due date, the more and more volatile she became. Her behavior started to get pretty, I would say abusive. She was verbally abusive towards me. It's hard for me to say that because I've always felt like, you know, she's had issues and had Hard life, and like somehow I'm stronger than her. And it's always hard for me to say she was actually verbally abusive to me. So it's what I have a hard time with that. And that's something I have to continue to work on. So I will say it, she was verbally abusive toward me. And she would lash out and she said things like, I I can't believe you're not going to let me be a part of the baby's life. And, you know, I have no say in how you're going to you know, raise them or if I'm going to be involved at all. She would come up with things that were based on nothing out of of her own paranoia assuming that because I told her that she needs to you know there's going to be certain boundaries that she wouldn't be a part of the baby's life so she had this issue where she would work up something in her head out based off her own paranoia that was getting worse and worse as she was getting older and then lash out at me and I would just sit there confused like why is she lashing out at me what is she talking about and so it was a hard time for me because I was obviously pregnant, going through all of my own emotions, becoming a mother. And then once I had the baby at the hospital, I asked my family not to tell her until the baby was born because I didn't want her to, she had an obsession with calling me all the time, calling or texting. And if she couldn't get through, she would just obsessively call me and, and text. And so I just didn't want to deal with that during the time when I was in labor. And so finally the baby was born and my parents, my dad told her that the baby was born, but I didn't want visitors at the time because I was resting and trying to, you know, become a new mom. And she showed up to the hospital the next day with my grandmother without telling me, without calling me. And then she started to obsessively call on the, on my phone. I wasn't really watching my phone and then the hospital phone. And we finally had to tell the nurses to block her. Um, And she thought there was no problem with what she was doing at all. She thought that She was the grandmother and she had the right to be there and had no concern about how I was doing or how it might impact me, but how it impacted her was more important than her daughters, you know, going through becoming a new mother. So yeah, it was a rough time and it continued to get worse as I actually had cut her off at that point again, because I couldn't handle it and all the volatility and the behavior issues. And then I finally let her back in around December. My daughter was born in October and i had kind of a breakdown where i was going through the postpartum stuff and i needed my mom and my mom and my grandma were over for christmas and i had let her back in assuming that things would change and for a while they were okay she was helpful and wanted to see you know if she could um come over and help with the baby and everything until she just every time she would come over it would be her taking pictures of the baby her not really interacting with the baby, not asking me if I needed help. She didn't really care about that. She cared about the way that the baby made her feel. And so I quickly realized that. And then in 2017, I officially cut her off for good.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's,
3: right
0: a, time. Yeah, that's such a long time, isn't it? To have gone through all of that, but it's it's like so many women who have these relationships with narcissistic mothers that we're so desperate to have that relationship that we really want. You know, everybody wants a good relationship with their mum. Everybody's desperate just to have the mum that that's there. And then you, you do find yourself going back and back and just trying to make it work. But in the end, you just say, it's just not going to happen.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's what happens.
0: And so does she try to get in touch with you
3: still? No, she actually passed away in 2019. So when I did cut her off, and I, I don't like to say that I cut her off necessarily, I, I had to put her on a long time out because like you said, I it was this emotional back and forth cycle of emotions where I felt like I needed my mother but she was never the mother I needed. So, but you still long for that relationship, especially when you become a mom, because now you know what it feels like to have that bond between you and your child. And I think there's always a part of you that hopes for that, the longing for the mother that you never had. And when your uh, mother is still alive and you know, even though she may not be perfect or she may not be even a good mother, you still have that hope and that longing for one day for things to be different. And so my mom passed away to about a year and a half after I stopped speaking with her. And that was hard because not only had I, I had to grieve by the relationship with my mother that I didn't have, in 2017 when my daughter was you know about 18 months then once my mom died it was another a grieving process it was well now I'll never have the chance to be able to have that relationship and what does that mean and did I somehow and I somehow always go back to myself like did the relationship between her and I was that part of why she died or why she didn't want to hang on any longer because she couldn't me around me. And, and, you know, there's still some self-blame that goes on, even though I know it wasn't my fault or anything, but I think growing up in that toxic environment where there is a lot of blame, there is a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame. You naturally go back to that place where somehow it must be my fault because, you know, everything kind of was my fault, or at least I blamed myself before. So I think I, I took it pretty hard when she died and Not only that, I had to be, my brother was in Australia, actually. He moved to Australia. I can't remember what year exactly, but my daughter was pretty young. And so I, in the U.S., had to be the executor of the state. So it was like, you know, a whole year after I was doing this executor work, having to go through her things, you know, selling her home, being surrounded by all of the memories of my mom and pictures and memorabilia and just you know, being inundated and I was pregnant at the time too. So it was just a very, very difficult time. And I just remember thinking, what if things could have been different? And that's where I, I, I like to encourage people that are in my situation to remember it's never your fault. It's not you who was doing this. It's, it's their, everybody is their own person. And so it was a difficult time because not only was I grieving the emotional loss of my mother, or I had already grieved the emotional loss of my mother was in the process of it. But now I was grieving the physical loss of her as well. And seeing her stuff, you know, be tossed or sold or and her house be sold. And I had to sell it myself and just all the things that, you know, the belongings triggered me to, I guess, kind of go down a rabbit hole for a while. And yeah, it was hard. It was not easy to lose her physically as well.
0: Yeah absolutely and I think for anybody in that situation it's like you've dealt with this your entire life and yes and in some way it's kind of normal to you to be treated like this and also to be abused like when you said oh I don't like to say that she emotionally abused me it's like exactly what it is but it's difficult because it's all you've ever known. And so there's so much guilt, isn't there? And so much shame. Mm-hmm. And it's such a, I should imagine, such a confusing grief
3: yes. to be in. Yeah. Yes. It's definitely confusing. And it's, it still comes. I mean, I'm not only two years out from her dying. And, you know, I was still grieving the loss of her emotionally. I was working through it and trying. To you know, figure out why it was see, I always go back to like, what could I have done differently? When it was a relationship. It was a relationship with my mother, and she was my mother. I was the child. And no matter what you say or do, you can't change that fact, even though I was an adult at the time. And I think that it is very confusing and shameful because you're conditioned as a child, especially with any type of personality disorder, such as narcissism or borderline, they, they play hand in hand very closely. I think that you learn to just kind of play small and you learn to internalize a lot of the behavior and the the circumstances that you're in. And like you said, I think you become, you normalize it and it becomes your life. And you don't know any differently until you grow up and see that there are, different families and they behave differently. And and when you introduce friends, or I remember introducing my husband to my family and my, like I said, my grandmother, I think was undiagnosed, has undiagnosed narcissism. She's actually still alive. And I think she was kind of the queen bee of the family, obviously would, anybody would just do bright stop everything for her, no matter what. And she used to, this is going to sound awful, but she used to call my grandpa with like a a call, like a dog call almost. And so (laughs) I remember my husband coming over for the first time when he was just my boyfriend and he's like, "You?" she calls him like a dog. And I was like, yeah. And I thought that was normal. I thought that was a normal thing because I didn't know any different. And so things like that, you like look back on and say, yeah, that's, that's not, not normal. So, but like you said, it's just a lot of you, you internalize a lot of it. And for me, it's been very difficult to express outwardly that my mom was emotionally abusive towards me it's been you know it's just been a hard thing for me because for some reason once you are part of that cycle you just like you said internalize it and it becomes part of who you are and normal
1: go to bluenile.com and use promo code listen to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more that's code listen at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase bluenile.com code listen
0: yeah absolutely and are there any things that
3: you've done in your healing that have been particularly helpful i will say the first thing that the first thing that happened let me let me back up. Sorry. The first thing that ha- really did help me was therapy. Therapy was eye opening. It was just the beginning for me. It wasn't the end all, be all. And I think becoming a mother really helped, kind of force that onto me because I always felt like I was so strong and I could handle anything. And I motherhood broke me right open, and as it does to many people, and you know, put all my <laughs> vulnerabilities on the table and postpartum depression and it, it was just a very difficult time and I think that when I went to therapy I became aware of the fact that my mother treated me poorly that she was not the best mother and you know it's hard even to say that like I, I still have difficulty verbalizing that my mother couldn't have been the best mother because you know you you hope for that and so I think for for me healing has been talking about it in the open learning to be vulnerable and to connect with other people that are in a, a, a similar situation. And I think that connection with other people, like on my Instagram, you'll be surprised at how many people have gone through a similar situation. It's very um, eye-opening for me to have had this Instagram, knowing that there are so many other people that have gone through a very similar situation as I have and so i think connection is really important and i think therapy will open your eyes to seeing what what's going on and why you know what vulnerabilities you you have and you know what it'll just help you to work through it but also being honest with yourself and being honest with what really happened to you is also important for a long time i don't feel like i was very honest with what happened in my life i think i wanted to put a silver bow on it and just neatly tied up and say, Oh, it's my childhood. It's my past. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect me today. Like I said, that all changed once I became a mom myself. So you can't hide from your trauma. You can't hide from your past. It will come up and bubble up in some way. You carry your trauma through your life if you don't work through it. So I think that you have, can't ignore things, you have to work through it. And I think that, you know, bringing it to the surface is really really important to aiding in your healing journey
0: yes 100 percent. i agree with that it's something that some people will never figure out and some people figure it out but don't want to address it so it's tough going through that healing but it's so amazing to get to the other side and start living in a different way, isn't it? And you're right in the middle of being a mum of three very young kids. How, yeah. is, how is being a mum for you?
3: Well, that, like I said, when I became pregnant with my daughter, I cried because I was going to have another a daughter, mother-daughter relationship. So I was worried at first. I think I'm pretty hard on myself. I have to be honest. I always worry that I'm going to become my mother. And that I will say to those who worry about the same thing, the very fact that you worry about that means that you're not like your mother. <laughs> and I have to remind myself all the time that I am not my mother. I won't become my mother. I have so much awareness around being a mother that there's no way I will become her. But I do catch myself, you know, doubting myself or somehow thinking that I can't be a good mom because of my generational cycles of, you know, bad mothering, I guess, in my family. And so I think I work extra hard to be cognizant and aware and present with my children. I'm not perfect. I have very small children. They're, you know, to 17 months and my oldest is six so they're very young still but I I think I'm just hyper aware of making sure that I am the best mother that I can be because of how I was mothered and that can also go the opposite way though so I also encourage people like me who are just so hyper vigilant and so wanting to be different than their mother to give yourself some grace. I mean, I, I try very hard to give myself grace and I i am not the best at it, but I'm working on it because I know that if I continue to beat myself up, I guess, and you know, if I didn't do something perfectly, or I yelled at my kids one day, or I didn't do something the right way that I felt like I should do in a certain way, I beat myself up. And so I think that you know, you can't be a perfect mother. You can only be the mother, the best mother you can be for your own child. And by being their mother and being present and being, I guess, accountable towards them, you're being a great mom.
0: I love that. It's so true. I mean, we, we can only do our best, can't we? And what do you really want for your kids? What relationship do you want to have with them as they grow up?
3: I definitely want them to be able to trust me. I think that's one of the biggest things I want them to be able to trust me I want them to be able to rely on me I want them to be able to know that I'm not going anywhere I'll always be here I want them to be able to understand that I'm not perfect but I want them to know that I try every day to do what's best for them and I think that you know coming from I, I won't say this to them but coming from where i have come from and trying to do things completely differently it's a, it's a big scary thing you know i'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants but i'm also trying to heal as as i'm parenting which is also difficult so i just want want to have that relationship where we can have mutual trust and mutual respect and that they know that they're a whole person just as they are and they're perfect just as they are. They never There's nothing that's ever been wrong about them or will be wrong about them. And I want them to have that confidence and that self-confidence to be able to talk to me about things and what I didn't have the ability to do with my own mom. So yeah, trust, self-respect, mutual respect are all very important to me.
0: Yeah, I love all of that. And it's really... The basic of what children should have isn't it like it's not these are not like sort of crazy expectations and yet so many kids just never see or never feel that trust or any of those basics so yeah, I just love it. Rochelle, you are motherless mothering on Instagram and you have a blog where you are sharing information on this topic. Can you tell us about where we can find you and how people can connect with you?
3: Yes. So I'm um, motherless.mothering on Instagram. Um, I'm on there. I'm also like, like you said, I have a blog, motherlessmothering.com. And on there, you'll find different ways, healing resources, links to other pages that I have. I have a Pinterest. I started a YouTube channel. I'm not doing much on there yet, but I did start one, but I'm mainly on Instagram and uh, my blog. So Those are the two ways you can connect with me.
0: Yeah. And I encourage anybody in that situation to take a look at those pages, the blogs, because I'm approached quite a bit by women in this situation who are just feeling quite lost. And so it's, it's important to find others who've been through these experiences and just have that connection. Michelle, thank you so much for chatting to me today. I just think you're amazing. You're such a light and you really are breaking those generational cycles and it's not easy to do, but it's, it's just amazing to see where you've come from and where you're heading. And thank you so much for sharing everything that you've shared with us today.
3: Thank you. I had a great time talking with you.
0: This journey of healing and community with me. If you are ready to manifest and create the life you really want for yourself, please go to dawnchitty.com. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at mybigloveproject and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here.